But I was reading an article on the BBC a little while ago, which um, suggested that green flights, in the sense of aircraft being powered by fuel which is greener than the current aviation fuel, is a long way off. And one of the scientists quoted in that article is Professor Graham Hutchings, uh, who is with the Royal Society in London, also a professor of chemistry at Cardiff University, with us now via Zoom. Uh, Graham, good afternoon. Thank you for your time. Good afternoon. It's nice to be with you. Just a... Um, how much CO2 does international aviation put into the air? And if there is a figure for um, sort of um, leisure travel, business travel, versus so uh, transporting humans as opposed to transporting cargo, what the differences are? Well, the, globally, aviation contributes to about 2.4% of greenhouse gases um, to contributing towards global warming. Um, our report that you're referring to is based solely on the UK figures. In the UK, it's 8% of um, emissions. So it's a much bigger figure for a small country like the, the United Kingdom. Uh, so aviation is a big contributor overall. Um, it's difficult to split it down in terms of business travel versus uh, pleasure travel because it's all mixed up, isn't it? You've got people yeah. on the same plane doing different things. So, and they're all carrying freight as well as your luggage and things like this. So, um, it, it, that one, that is much more difficult to untangle, I would say. And, and your sense of, you know, Bill Gates, when he was quizzed about his reasonably frequent use of his private jet, he said, uh, I contribute a lot more to carbon capture programs than my private jet contributes to carbon emissions. And whenever I travel internationally, I contribute to a carbon offset program. Does that work? Am I, am I falsely exonerating myself from contributing in a major way to global carbon emissions? Well, I mean, offsets can go so far, can't they? Um, you know, if offset is planting trees, uh, which is, you know, the most common way of doing it, um, there's only so many trees that you can plant at any one time. And if aviation is contributing globally 2.4% towards these emissions, um, I, I think you cannot achieve this just purely by offsetting. You've, you've got to change the fuels that we use in, in the planes. Uh, basically, it's a long-term game. You know, the the UK government are committed to uh, getting to net zero by 2050, uh, and aviation is a crucial part of of our economy. Um, it's probably a very important aspect for your economy as well because uh, you're a much larger country. Um, and but I mean, that, that Royal Society report, and here we get to the nub of why I asked to speak to you, is that currently there is no single clear alternative to traditional fuel, and nope. it seems at the moment unlikely that there will be one any time soon. Well, if we don't start, there certainly won't be one, OK? Mm, yeah. <laughs> the whole point of the report is to try to get people to think in the right direction. I mean, we considered four possible fuels, uh, biofuels, hydrogen, ammonia, and uh, what we call e-fuels, which are made from carbon dioxide you take out of the air with renewable hydrogen. Um, and when you look at them with their advantages and disadvantages, you're right, there is no clear winner at this point in time. Um, but 
we will need to find a replacement for fossil kerosene, which is the jet fuel, going going further forward. Because, you know, in, in Europe, we're electrifying our cars uh, and our lorries, etc. And kerosene is a byproduct of making gasoline and diesel. So in, in Europe, keros- fossil kerosene is going to be phased out and it's going to become very expensive. So the direction of travel on this is we have to start now and look at these alternatives and see what we can do. And I, 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 airlines, uh, you know, airlines are very keen on this, and so are the plane manufacturers. Boeing and an Airbus are very keen on trying to come up with sort of carbon neutral flights at the present time. Uh, I'm a little taken aback that you say we must start, which implies that we haven't started in any meaningful way, and that does make me scratch my head and ask why not. Um. I think it's because it's a bit of a blind spot. Uh, you know, it's considered to be a smaller part. I mean, the figures I gave you, 2.4% of global warming. There are much bigger problems in terms of power generation, uh, etc. So I think it's something which people are starting to think about, and that's why we've addressed it in this report. Um, you know, it's an important part of everyday life people want to fly uh and they want to fly in such a way that they're not contributing to the demise of the planet so yes i mean airlines uh and air air um you know air, airplane providers so to speak have really been thinking about this but it's not really been in the public eye so it, when it comes to four-wheel travel or two-wheel travel on uh, terra firma uh, you know, there are new energy vehicles and, and most of the new energy is uh, electricity and it's obviously more meaningful if that electricity comes from solar or wind or alternatives from from coal and gas. And, uh, you know, we are looking at green hydrogen and those sorts of things as well for terra firma type greener travel. Um, what What is the most, what to you seems the most promising line of inquiry to try and get the screener aviation full fuel? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, my feeling is that you know, people are looking at batteries for very short haul hopper flights, um, you know, going maybe 100 miles or so at the present time. Um, so you need something with the right energy density that can be produced at scale and is globe- will be globally available. Uh, and so initially, it's going to be something that looks like kerosene, but is made from sustainable sources of carbon. Uh, and, you know, that will be a drop-in fuel, because uh, the, the last 747 was delivered only a few weeks ago. Yeah. You know, 747. And that will be flying somewhere in the world for 40 years using a kerosene fuel. So we need something that looks like kerosene to start with. And then in the longer term, well, Airbus are looking very uh, closely at hydrogen uh, and, you know, it would need a whole new airframe, a whole new engine. In, uh, airports would have to handle fuels, uh, you know, the cryogenic, you know, low temperature hydrogen. Everybody would have to be retrained in terms of using the fuel. So there's lots of things that need to be done. But... It would also need to, any new airplane would have to be certified for civil aviation. So that's going to take quite a long time to do. 
So you've got these, this, I would say a transition period where we're using drop in replacement fuels on a gradual basis. And then there will be new airframes and new technology. Thank you very, very much indeed for making time to speak to us. That is Graham Hutchings, Professor of Chemistry at Cardiff University and a contributor to a Royal Society of London report on the topic we've been chatting about.